there are none more dangerous than those who have nothing left to lose. Women in chains. A thousand nights without a man. A thousand reasons to kill. Women in chains. From a hellhole of twisted passions to an inferno of flaming death. Chains of hate kept them bound together. Hounded by every love-hungry brute on the island. See, I don't like cops, and cops don't like me, so why should I help you? Ten thousand reward. Women in chains. We're going the wrong way. We gotta get off. It's the right way for me, baby. If you screw up this deal for me, I'll kill you. Desperate and dangerous. <laughs> Women in chains. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? Suck my fat one, you cheap dime store hood. everyone and welcome to another installment of the greatest moments in the history of forever i'm zach i'm matt and this is episode number 144 black mama white mama jumping into that grindhouse style a little bit yeah we are knee deep yeah in one trashy summer and it's about damn time that we took a trip to the drive-in to see one of these exploitation sure. films yeah i watched the quentin tarantino robert rodriguez grindhouse recently and it, it's kind of fun watching the beginning of black mama white mama where it's just got the funky music playing and like the title like pops up and everything yeah you, you know i i do love this style it's interesting you brought that up because the director of black mama white mama eddie romero he made another movie simultaneously <laughs> while oh, they were making wow. this called the twilight people okay and i believe pam greer is also in that one and that movie was apparently a big influence on Tarantino's 
half of oh death proof lighthouse yeah I don't know about the story but like right. some of the elements of gotcha. it or the look of it I don't know I don't I've never seen Twilight people it's one to watch though maybe yeah I do think it is out on Blu-ray okay I do love too you let me borrow the uh, Arrow Blu-ray just the Arrow logo before it with like the vibrant colors yeah place before the movie Arrow does cool stuff would recommend to people to pick up that blu-ray i would say <laughs> yeah i feel like a lot of our listeners will definitely be interested in a movie called black mama white mama <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah this is women in prison one of our favorite genres chicks and chains yep babes behind bars ladies in lockdown what's not to like honeys in the hooskow dames in the dungeon broads in the big house Daughters in Detention. I, I was coming up with as many as I could. <laughs> there were some more explicit ones that I decided to leave out. Well, but. you know, it's a great premise, great jumping off point for anything, even a modern series like Orange is the New Black. That's true. Really popular. So this film came out in 1973, directed by Eddie Romero. $200,000 budget. Wow. Looks like it made roughly a million for rentals and right, things like that go. and i guess probably a minimal drive-in theatrical run yeah, yeah. i don't really think this was something you would see at your local cineplex yeah i mean when do you think the grindhouse theaters kind of went away I-, I don't ever really have an awareness of one probably like a, in the 70s yeah the existing 70s. in my lifetime certainly it's interesting i mean we could do a lot more of this type of movie on this podcast because you own so many of them yes <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of disturbing how many women in prison movies I own <laughs> from all different eras. Right. But this one, I will say, is probably the least sleazy of yeah. those. Pam Greer is kind of like the most famous, yeah, most remembered actress from these movies. Yeah. She became a pretty big star, mostly because she transcended any one version of it. She was in the women in prison stuff, but she was also in a lot of the black exploitation stuff. Some of the classics like Foxy Brown, Coffee, things oh, yeah. like that. And she managed to keep working semi-consistently and then had the big comeback with Jackie Brown. Right. Obviously, and, Tarantino, a fan. Yeah. There's a lot of connections between Tarantino's stuff, especially Jackie Brown, and then like this stuff from the 70s that had right. such a huge influence on him. The, you know, Sid Haig, as we mentioned when we did... Jackie Brown is in that, and yes. then he's in this movie, yep. along with at least... I think he's in... Five other ones. I th- Foxy Brown, too. He's in Foxy Brown and Coffee. Yeah. And a couple of the other women in prison movie that were also filmed in the Philippines that also star Pam Greer. The funny thing is watching them all in a short amount of time, because yeah. you get confused. Like, sometimes he's on her side, sometimes he's the bad guy. Right. <laughs> You're like, which one is this? Which story is this? Sid Haig, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit more in this episode, but just an odd-looking dude. Yeah. Not one that you'd look at and be like, oh, yeah, this is going to be the actor for this movie that really pops. For our listeners who aren't super familiar, he appears in a lot of Rob Zombie yeah. movies. He plays that uh, Captain, Captain Spaulding. Spaulding. Probably what he's most famous for now, I, yeah. I guess, at least for this generation. And he's at, he actually is 80 years old this year, believe it or not. Wow, that is old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Black Mama, White Mama stars Pam Greer, Margaret Markoff. It was written by H.R. Christensen, based on an original story by Joseph Viola and Jonathan Demme. Way to go. Jonathan Demme, yeah. director of The Silence of the Lambs, amongst other films. That's right. So he was Academy Award winner. 
yeah, involved in dynamite projects as far back as this. <laughs> the original title was Chains of Hate. Wow. And then the studio changed it to Black Mama, White Mama, I guess to be more <laughs> I don't titillating. I re- really know which one is better. Well, I think Chains of Hate is maybe like a little bit more appropriate for yeah. the story, but... Black Mama, White Mama. It's putting it right out there on Front Street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of cool 70s lingo in this. I was going to say dialogue, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I, I love Pam Greer's character name, Lee Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> Director of The Butler. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this definitely fits under the whole grindhouse exploitation film. It has elements of black exploitation. And of course, it's technically a women in prison feature even yeah. though very briefly are they actually in the prison true but to familiarize everyone with women in prison i was gonna Please. read a little bit from wikipedia just to catch everybody up everyone's favorite segment of the show when zach reads something <laughs> the women in prison film is a subgenre of exploitation film that began in the early 1900s and continues to the present day wow 1900s huh early 1900s how is that possible? Dudes were always excited about women running around <laughs> in chains. I get it, yeah. <laughs> Their stories feature imprisoned women who are subjected to sexual and physical abuse, typically by sadistic male or female prison wardens, guards, and other inmates. The genre also features many films in which imprisoned women engage in lesbian sex. Women in prison films are works of fiction intended as pornography. The films of this genre include a mixture of erotic adventures of the women in prison. The flexible format and the loosening of film censorship in the late 1960s allowed filmmakers to depict more extreme fetishes such as voyeurism, your strip searches, group shower scenes, catfights, sexual fantasies, lesbianism, rape, sexual slavery, fetishism, bondage, whipping, degradation, (laughs) and sadism, beatings, torture, and cruelty. So, in other words, your typical fun entertainment. Yeah, I was going to say, they do make it seem like female prison is a party yeah you know well don't worry i mean i've written plenty of Lori laughlin absolutely <laughs> i know that's fanfic what, that's what we need you know <laughs> the aunt becky women in prison movie most women in prison films employ the same stock characters and formulaic situations and it's enjoyable every time yeah <laughs> characters that are fellow inmates may include a sarcastic prostitute a manipulative snitch or an aggressive lesbian the female criminals are usually hypersexualized and fetishized homosexual relationships. The authority figure of the prison is usually a cruel woman who herself is a variation of the traditional prison lesbian. Common scenes in women in prison films may include an innocent girl being sent to a penitentiary or reform school run by a male or lesbian warden who may also run an inmate prostitution ring like in Chained Heat. <laughs> now, do we get that in this? I think... Very briefly, I think the girl passing out when they're coming yeah. into the prison could be that character. It feels like a little bit. I mean, certainly the wardens are getting in on the business a little bit. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, definitely. What I like about this movie is we do have a lot of those elements. I do think it stands out a little bit, though, because the two main characters for an exploitation movie, I don't think are like overly sexualized, though. You mean in, in what? Comparison to the rest of them? or Yeah, I just think that... There's not, like, a ton of gratuitous nudity or anything with the, our two main characters? No, not really. And they're two strong women characters. Oh, yeah. And this movie, I think, transcends One, some of this stuff. a revolutionary. Yeah. I think <laughs> when we get to the end of this, we'll talk 
at length sure, maybe more yeah. about those ideas that kind of separate this movie. There's a time and a place for talk about feminism and strong female characters, but it's certainly for the end of the podcast. Yeah, when we are pretty sure that people have stopped yeah. listening. <laughs> <laughs> what else is there? A, quote, welcoming ritual, which may include group strip searches, giving up any personal possessions, or showering, all while being watched by sexually deprived female inmates. This is definitely in this movie. <laughs> There's a very Porky's-esque oh, absolutely, shower scene yeah. watched by a sex-crazed right. matron of the prison. You always got to love the digging the hole in a wall that you can look through to spy on yeah. naked people. Lesbian sex scenes between prisoners and the guards or the female prisoners being raped or forced into prostitution by male guards. Check. That's in this. Yeah. Female prisoners being sentenced to hard labor, such as scrubbing floors, chopping coconuts, or digging dirt holes, sometimes while nude. <laughs> yeah. Check. I love that. Hard labor with no goal in mind. Yeah. Just well, that's, digging holes. That's definitely a part of it. Right. Now, they're not nude when they do it in this movie, but yes, there's hard labor. Having a restrictive slash uncomfortable dress code, such as being forced to go barefoot oh, yeah. and or wear, wearing skimpy, revealing prison uniforms. This is something that I want Definitely to... check in <laughs> this. This is something that I... <laughs> certainly stood out to me. Definitely wanted to talk about. The attire yeah. for this prison, just completely insane. <laughs> yeah. It's basically like long t-shirts and underwear right. and nothing that else. That just say like prison on the back or something. <laughs> Fight scenes between the prisoners... Parentheses, sometimes in the shower or in yeah, mud many times nude. while naked. Yeah. They don't fight naked in this, but they do fight. Right. There's a couple of fights between Pam Greer and Margaret Markoff throughout yeah. the movie. Certainly just a lot of bickering, too. I don't know if that's a part of it. Beatings by guards. Mm, not really. Not not as much. I mean, there's certainly some intimidation going on. Yeah. Suicide or death of a minor character. Now... There are people that die in this movie, but not in the way that they mean. Because I've seen the example that they're giving okay. that, in yeah. other movies, so I'm going to say no. Female prisoners being sprayed by a fire hose for punishment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that's in this one. Could have fit, though. <laughs> yeah, they could have added. The narrative peaks with some kind of rebellion, which may include a fight, attempted breakout, or natural disasters such as a prison fire or earthquake. Now, this movie well, is different because the prison break happens very early yes, on. Yes, yes. It's not a story of them breaking out and then being pursued by the prison. Right. The people pursuing them in this movie ha almost have nothing to do with the prison. And yeah. the majority of the film takes place while they're just on the run in the There's country. There's some sort of rebellion going on in the movie. Yeah, unrelated but it's unrelated to the prison. To the prison. Yeah. Okay, so that'll do it for that. Yeah, I might need you to explain some of the plot to me as we're going along because... I certainly remember most of the movie, but it's kind of tough to keep with it. Yeah, it's it's keep almost like details. overly complicated. Yes. Because there's Thank so you. many different people pursuing them right. for different reasons. This film is inspired by The Defiant Ones from 1958 starring Sidney Poitier and Tony Curtis. Yes. Which also is a black prisoner and a white prisoner, and I believe they're chained together. So it's the same idea. Right. The movie itself was filmed in the Philippines, which is where they filmed a lot of these women in prison and exploitation movies because it was super cheap. However, I guess this movie is not taking place in the Philippines, even though everyone well, looks Filipino. Yeah, yeah. It just takes place on the island. <laughs> yeah, they just refer right? to it as the island, but it's supposed to be a country in Latin America. Okay. Which doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. 
Pam Greer became seriously ill while filming and was in bed for like a month with 105 fever. Yeah. Oh. And had just a really rough go. Wow. Both Greer and Markov were veterans of the Women in Prison movies by the time they made this one. Greer made The Big Dollhouse in 71, Women in Cages in 71, and The Big Bird Cage yeah. in 72. Markov did The Hot Box in 72. This came out in 73. The next year, they both starred in The Arena, which is a variation of the Women in Prison film where they're captured and forced into slavery like in ancient Roman times, and then they fight in the Colosseum and all this shit. Sounds great. I watched it yesterday for the first time on Amazon Prime. Yeah. It was great. How many stars? <laughs> Five stars. There we go. Instant classic. Right. Both The Arena and Black Mama, White Mama fall under the lengthy list of films produced or uncredited produced by Roger Corman and his studios and oh, yeah. all of his people. This is the first time I think that we've mentioned Roger Corman somehow on this podcast. Yeah, we've tended to stick to mostly mainstream stuff and okay, most of yeah. Roger Corman's career is independent stuff a little bit, you know, under the radar, a little bit sure. grindhousey, which we haven't really tackled. Right. <laughs> because we want our listeners to have at least heard of these movies and we don't have like that experimental of listeners, I guess. I don't know. Uh. I'm not ready to say that. Okay. Well, maybe we'll get more into it. Yeah. <laughs> as we go along. Roger Corman is like this huge figure in film history, but he's the type of guy that they had to give like honorary Oscars to and honorary awards to because oh, it's sure. not like the stuff right. he was doing was really nominated for anything. But he produced like 385 movies and he directed a bunch and wrote a bunch and was involved in a bunch. Many of which were filmed in the Philippines. Sure. Yeah. But not all of them, because, I mean, right. there's just so many. There were yep. all different kinds. But Corman is big because he mentored and gave a start to many young film directors, such as Francis Ford Coppola, Ron Howard, Martin Scorsese, Jonathan Demme, wow. John Sayles, James Cameron, So really having a huge impact yes. on the modern film era. And he launched the careers of actors like Peter Fonda, Jack Nicholson, Dennis Hopper, Bruce Dern, Sylvester Stallone, Diane Ladd, and William Shatner. Wow. So basically like all of the cool ones. Yeah. So he's a huge figure. He was involved in these two movies that starred Greer and Markov. And, you know, we're going to talk about Black Mama, White Mama. That's right. Which, despite its name and despite its subject matter, I think is a, a pretty good film on its own right now. I mean, yeah. It's absurd. Some of the acting is a little cringy. Right. It's actually kind of incredible how much better Pam Greer got by the time Jackie Brown came out two decades later. I like, do think... She's not good in this movie. True. That is absolutely correct. At least with some of the lines. Right. <laughs> but, you know, it moves along at a nice pace. It's enjoyable most of the way through. They throw some things at you that you're just like, why is this in here? But yeah. you're able to kind of move on from that. Yeah, if they wanted to go full-blown exploitative, you would think they would have added more sexy nude stuff or something rather than some of these complicated plot points sure. that don't yeah. really pay right. off. I know. That's what's actually surprising about it. I'm expecting more of like the nude sexy scenes with our two heroines, but yeah. we don't really have so much of that. It's mostly them like bickering. Oh, you thought maybe some lesbo stuff on the run. I figured it was on the on the menu, <laughs> you know what I mean? Potentially on the table. Right. Yeah, I think they liked it better with them like at each other's throats. No, I, I was good, and I think that there was a this... certain segment of the audience that was probably getting off on them fighting. Yeah, while chained together. Right, one of them <laughs> sitting right here. 
but I think it's it's fun and it's kind of like unique for this genre. I love the color of blood in this movie. It's basically yeah. like pink. Yeah, I mean that's that's something that's pretty common yeah, in these low right. budget seventies movies. The blood never looks good. I'm good with it though. Sometimes the guns it looks like look like toys at a lot of the parts. Yeah. Sometimes the blood looks really, really bad. Sometimes it just doesn't look remotely like Sid Haig, blood that would come out of a human. A fun villain dressed as a cowboy. Yeah, he's supposed to be like a cowboy. And it's supposed to be like a cowboy gang right. that is in charge kind of. Kind of a weird thing to exist on the island. Okay. So the movie opens with new prisoners arriving at this jail. We are in an unnamed country, supposedly in Latin America, which of course we know is doesn't not true. really make any yes. sense. But whatever. I love the red dress that Pam Greer is wearing getting off the bus. Yes. It's like an insane dress. Now, I know that she's supposed to be a prostitute, but like you'd think they would make her wear something else, you know, if you're going to a prison. <laughs> she's wearing like this evening right. gown. Yeah. <laughs> she looks incredible. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't really think it's too shocking to say that both of the leads in this movie are stone-cold foxes. Yeah, it's absolutely sure. true. I'm minorly obsessed with Margaret Markoff now. I'm just, like, blown away. I think I am now, too. I mean, certainly my obsession, I think, has been over a shorter period of time than yours since mine just started a couple hours ago when I was finishing the movie. <laughs> you should check out The Arena on I think I need to. Amazon Prime. Well, you mentioned, is it just Pam Greer that's in the hot box? No, that's just... Margaret Margaret. Okay. Well, there's, there's a hot box scene in this movie. Yes. Which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie, I'm going to say. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. When the prisoners are arriving, they meet this hard-ass blonde matron. She's Matron Densmore. She's going to be our yeah. aggressive lesbian. Yeah, she doesn't fuck around. The show. Yeah. We meet Karen, played by Margaret Markoff. She's the <laughs> the revolutionary, which is hilarious. It. it <laughs> It positions her as this strong female character, and her group needs her to make their gun connection. She's important in the group. She's yeah. held in high standard. She's not an afterthought or a victim oh, or along for the ride. Yeah. So it's a good... She's almost like a goddess to this group. She's a good, strong character, but... Her backstory... It is a little weird to be like, we're going to make this blonde white woman one of the leaders of a re revolutionary in some foreign country. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's very strange. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this it's like the grindhouse version of a rich white chick that, like, goes to the Peace Corps or something. <laughs> yeah. You know? Like one of the characters that would be eaten alive in the Green Inferno That's or right. something. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, she decided that she wanted to go out into the world and do something important, and now she's leading a bunch of rebels with machine guns. I do think they say later in the film that she did come from money, right? They do, yeah. Yeah, yeah so she's just... <laughs> She's the uh, stereotypical rich white girl right. well, that's, in over her head. That's the dichotomy between her and Lee Daniels. You know, did not come from money, came from the streets, wanting to get to money. Yeah, Lee is a former prostitute. She clashes former heads with Former because Denzel. she was one right up until the minute where she got arrested. I think the idea is that she cheats her pimp out of like all this money. And so okay. she was like, going to go on the run and then... The whole story of how she gets arrested is never really explained, but she alludes to it as if she was yeah. set up. Is her with pimp drugs also her boyfriend? Not in the way that okay. we would think of a boyfriend girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> well, then she refers to like her old man at some yeah, point. Well, is that supposed to be her they... dad? 
Or is that supposed to be her pin? No, that's her pin. Okay. Her dad. <laughs> oh, my God. Maybe both. <laughs> you you needed, like, a translator for all this. I do, yeah. Lingo being right. used in this movie. Right away, we get that group shower scene with Matron Densmore spying on the women. Definitely some horseplay in the shower I with a so. hose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this what constitutes horseplay in the shower? I think so, yeah. <laughs> I did like that. Some touching of legs. Most of the prisoners and the guards at this prison are like total babes. Yeah. It's like the best looking prisoner. That's the that's another well, that's common thing part in these of movies. This, right? yeah. yeah. It's always women that just look like models or uh, in the background. Well, that's the thing. But even like this prison in Latin America is like ninety percent smoking hot white chicks. <laughs> yeah. It's just like boy do I want to go to prison in Latin America. A weird part of the shower scene, though, is like that one redheaded chick who's kind of like the streetwise one who's been there before and knows the deal. Oh, yeah. Whenever they're playing around with the hose or whatever in the shower, and she's like, it's the closest we're going to get to a man in a long time. It's like a very <laughs> weird thing to say about a so. hose. Yeah, well, what's the name of our wardeness here? The Densmore. Yeah, Densmore. I mean, Densmore. Whew, she thirsty, you know? Yeah. And she has, like, a whole thing going on with the other matron that we'll get to. Right. Which is very bizarre and could be, like, its own movie. I think so, yeah. <laughs> well, I should say, I, I and I did watch this movie one time with you before. I felt like during that time when you're going through all of these sequences in the prison, you think that this is building to, like, a lot of stories that are going to, like, carry on throughout the movie. But 15 minutes into it, this all goes away. Yeah, I'm wondering if they were playing on the pre-existing women in prison movies. Could be. In other yeah. words, so the audience that would have been watching this movie probably that, had seen a lot of the other ones, and so they were expecting certain things, and it was like misdirection. That was like the Jonathan Demi pitch, you know? <laughs> yeah. So they all live in one big room, like a gymnasium-style room with like bunk beds and stuff, which is kind of interesting. I'm into it. You sometimes see that in different prison movies, not just women in prison movies. Right. I don't know... How common that is, maybe in other countries. I don't uh, know. Yeah. They all wear long t-shirts and underwear, and that's it. And so at first you think, like, okay, well, they're all supposed to be, like, sleeping. So, okay, I could buy it. But then you find out that they just wear that all the time. Right. There's no pants or anything else it's ever. It's some weird combination. <laughs> There's, like, a yellow piece and a pink piece, and they all sort of vary in how they wear them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. All the girls are talking and the new ones are all introducing themselves it's kind of like confession time where everyone's talking about why they're there and what happened and yeah all it shit. actually kind of feels more like summer camp than prison oh definitely yeah there's definitely an element of that karen is super annoying i mean <laughs> <laughs> i do love margaret markov and i think she's like a stone cold fox as i said but god she just can't shut up about this revolution right, for like right. two seconds. everyone's just like oh my god like yeah we're trying to enjoy prison over here. <laughs> she tells everyone that her friends on the outside, like these gorillas, are going to help her. And, of course, she's this stunning, statuesque, blonde white woman who <laughs> thinks that like she's running this revolution. It's all very strange. There's a lot of things, obviously, that would be problematic in a movie like this in today's time. But this yeah. one jumps out at you because it's almost unnecessary for the erotic enjoyment that people may have been <laughs> yeah. getting you know what i mean like right. obviously the sadistic stuff in these women in prison movies or like the just gratuitous nudity or lesbianism or whatever that's going to be problematic 
but that's what made them these kind of movies, and that's what right. people wanted to get. But that's this whole thing fun. of just, I'm this white woman coming to this <laughs> country, and I'm going to run the show. <laughs> I don't know. And then she is treated like hey, a big deal. She's built quite a following. I mean, if this chick showed up to you and was like, hey, I'm leading a revolution, wouldn't you just be like, I don't know what that means, but I'm in? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So thirsty matron Densmore comes a call in. <laughs> Her first target is Lee. We started off badly this morning, Daniels. That's unfortunate. Having an inmate dislike me makes my job that much tougher. But discipline is something that must be maintained. And the more uh, intelligent prisoners, well, they realize that. And they cooperate with me. In every way. Oh, I'm all for cooperation. Good. I'm glad. And now that we're buddies, how about letting me get back to sleep? What's your hurry? I mean, it's it's much more comfortable here. If you have a drink. Have a drink. It'll help you to relax. What's the matter? Don't you indulge when I feel like it. All right. I won't force you, Daniels. But you see how long it takes you before you come to me. <laughs> And not very long, I'll bet. Just as long as you don't force me. Your attitude is going to make it very tough for you in here. You can get your ass kicked in. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's what you want. I should have known by your attitude this morning. It's going to be a pleasure. How's that? Asshole. Leave her alone. Get the hell out of here. Down. A little too much to drink. Will you leave me alone? I told you before, leave the prisoner alone. My wrist, you're breaking my goddamn wrist. Get her out of here. Lee, not interested. No. So they Even go off to this other room. And some perks to. Yeah, the, the idea is if you agree to do this with her, then. You might get out of some chores. Yeah, your time in prison is going to be easier right. than if you don't. But she turns Matron Densmore down. And so she takes out this like leather glove. Yes. And just like slaps her with it. <laughs> Pretty hot. I think so. It's a strange scene. And then the other matron has to come in to like break it up. Right. And then the this other is matron's when it's always kind of like keeping an eye on things. Yeah, this is when it's revealed that they have like yeah. something going on between them. Right. <laughs> but like Densmore is like wiling out. She's like Densmore, always out of control. Like, yeah, she can't stop. She's just got like a bloodthirst for <laughs> lesbo action. <Hot> inmates. <laughs> 
they cut to the next day. They're all working in the field. This is the hard labor. <laughs> Just like cutting bushes. Yeah, obviously whatever they're doing is pointless. It doesn't even matter. It's just basically the idea is probably we need to tire them out every day True. so that there's not problems. And keep them in shape. <laughs> keep them looking good. Yeah. <laughs> Densmore shows up. She singles Karen out this time, and now Karen goes for it. So they drive away together. Very disappointing for this style of movie that we don't actually see this scene because I've seen plenty of women in prison movies where we would see this scene. Yeah. And this would be a big focal point. <laughs> Instead, it's kind of just glossed over that something happens. Right. So then they're in the cafeteria later and Lee's pissed. Oh, yeah. She's given it to Karen a little bit. I guess in Lee's mind, she thinks that whatever they were doing in the field did have a purpose and so there was more work since karen had to leave i know this part is insane to me because i'm just like what do you mean you had to do more because karen wasn't there you had to cut more bushes (laughs) yeah i I don't know believe it or not they're not getting into like the specific details (laughs) of the work stuff that they're doing but karen's just like yeah so what i hooked up with her i didn't have to do work it's awesome yeah small price to pay yeah lee has a different stance on that which is weird because she was actually the one that had a history of prostitution (laughs) yeah so she's not happy she picks a fight with karen it's this full-on brawl in the cafeteria (laughs) they're just like rolling around people are like screaming oh yeah yeah it's a little bit of a food fight a glass of i'll just call it liquid because it doesn't really look like an actual drink gets like thrown in you i don't know who it is but there's a character that says i just washed my hair (laughs) which doesn't seem like it would be something that would be that big of a deal (laughs) Yeah, you got all the time in the world to wash it again. (laughs) This singles them out as the two bad girls. The other matron, Logan, she hands down the punishment, which is a day in the oven for these two, which is what you were referencing earlier, the hot box, I guess is another word you could call it. I mean, it's pretty crazy. First, Logan's like a terrorist and a hooker. You two should have lots to talk about. I did not understand what that meant. Me neither, but I was Why would they have lots to talk about? (laughs) But I was thinking that that could have been, like, the other alternate title for the movie. (laughs) A terrorist and a hooker. Yes. So it cuts to the two of them, nude, mostly nude, I guess, like, topless, locked inside this metallic-looking rectangle out in a field. Well, yeah, it's crazy. With the hot sun beating down. It's like they would be dead immediately. (laughs) I actually think it's, like, an awesome shot because it's super darkly lit. You can't really see anything. It's almost more, like, silhouettes than... Right actually like seeing like their nude bodies i think it's like a really cool shot yeah they're like back to back yeah against each other in this small thing you know the bickering is how many people would die at this prison if this is the type of shit they were doing i mean you would be dead Several. like so yeah, fast right. and they're like supposed to be in there like in it for a full day yeah <laughs> it's like yeah right it's like if you leave a hot baby in a car for like <laughs> hot baby <laughs> You know, a baby in a hot car that's dead in, like, five minutes. Yep. (laughs) When they're finally released from the oven, Logan informs them that they're both being transferred to max security in, quote, the city, whatever that is. Oh, yes. Just a city. Right. But wait, there's more. As an added bonus, Karen and Lee are going to make the trip shackled together at the wrist with this chain, which becomes the, the main yeah. idea of the movie. It's like right. these two chained together. And they're very concerned, everybody, before they even make this trip, about Karen's guerrilla friends, these other revolutionaries out in the jungles and all this stuff. Yeah, it's so just they like, have why a... would they even do this then? 
Right. They all know what's going to happen, and then it happens. Stay at the prison. And yeah. the police escort isn't much. It's like a couple dudes in a jeep, right? Right. Well, the you know Logan later is like yelling at them, like, "Where are the other people? They're not here." Whenever the shit hits the fan, yeah, yeah. but it's all very vague because as this movie goes along, I'm never really sure why these two women are so important to the government and I, to the, like the police and they're acting like there's just a special agree i do not understand it at all i don't know why there's so many different groups coming after them like i get the angle with the pimp and yeah you know he's being like robbed or whatever right i get why like the other groups are so invested in these two but I don't know. I guess yeah. The angle is, is the it because police? of Karen and the revolution? I mean, that's the only thing I could think of. And I mean, there's, <laughs> is there not enough of a police force to get enough men themselves that they have to like employ criminals as well? Well, they're on the island. Yeah, I get it. Okay, it's like the Wild West. Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Hence the cowboy gang. So while they're getting onto the buses, Densmore's acting cold, and I mean, I'm getting a real hit it and quit it vibe. With I think her and so. Karen. She yeah. seems like almost like yeah, whatever. Because she like gropes. Leave. oh yeah she just grabs her ass <laughs> and the other warden chick is just like you better cool it she's like you better lock it up <laughs> the conversation between karen and lee on the bus is hilariously bad it's just like what yeah, the yeah. fuck they're expecting somebody your friends maybe maybe Ooh, how bad are you you got something to say with them what about you I thought you went for smack, sale, and possession. I was steam clean. They planted me because they know me. They know my old man, too. He's the biggest dealer on this island. I guess they want to find out about the people we know. Yeah. I can't handle the way those national cops ask questions. One point, Karen is just like, well, I guess they're interested in the people we know or what you know what i mean it's just like oh, right. it's so generic it's like yeah you don't have to explain everything <laughs> like i know that there's a lot of questions about what's going on in this movie but this just seemed absurd it's yeah. just like okay inevitably the rebellion shows up launches their attack on the bus there's this shootout between the cops and the guards with these gorillas out in the jungle casualties just racking up oh yeah what do you think the population of this island even is? How many people killed in this movie? <laughs> Half of the island. What, yeah, dead. what's that ratio? In the chaos, Lee and Karen choke out Densmore with their chain to death. I guess. Right? I guess, yeah. I think so. And run off the bus. Logan is shot in the back by the revolutionaries. Lee and Karen still chained together, take off into the hills on foot, but not with <laughs> Karen's gorilla That's friends. The thing. Yeah, the rebels, the gorillas, as you call them. Attack the bus. Chaos ensues. It seems like there's a chance for them to just unite with the group, but there's a bus in between them. So yeah, there's still too many police and stuff that survive. Okay. There's, there's just yeah. a lot going on. Yeah. So they're just getting so out the of there. So the gorillas like, retreat back into the woods? Yeah, in the other direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all very convenient. I got it. Almost immediately, they're at each other's throats. They're arguing because... Lee and Karen have two different goals, and they want to go in two different directions. Lee wants to recover the money she extorted from her former pimp, Get on Vic a boat. Chang, yeah. and then escape the island by boat. Karen needs to meet her gun connection on time so that they don't turn on her rebel friends. So basically, the idea is Karen is American, and she has this American gun connection. And this is somewhat true to life to some of the 
Latin American revolutions going on during this time period. Okay. Where there I would love be a gun shortage. This rich, ditzy, white American girl has like a gun connection. <laughs> How dare you call her ditzy? <laughs> Who are you to say? That's true. It's a good point. <laughs> Completely unfair critique from me. <laughs> They're like chained together, rolling around, slapping each other. <laughs> it's pretty hot, but like. I think so, yeah. Eventually, she says to Lee, she's like, we're trying to set this island free. Christ, you're black. You understand, don't you? And this is kind of like, <laughs> yeah, this is the movie's jump out to me. connection to like what was going on with the black power movement in the 70s. And it seems like they're trying to draw a line between revolutions in these Latin American countries and what could be happening in America. It's kind of a clumsy way to do it. But I, yeah, I think yeah. what they're saying here is like, Raw fighting the man. I think so. Don't you get it? Right. <laughs> Lee's response is like, some jive-ass revolution don't mean shit to me. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Which, you know, fair enough. Yeah. I would say that their first fight, well, this is not their first I fight because they fought in the cafeteria, but their second fight here when they're chained together, it pretty much ends in a draw because they, they basically <laughs> they're just so. like, well, what are we doing? For those of you keeping score at home. <laughs> But I think Lee is kind of like the Jackie Brown character, you know? She's just trying to, like, pull off one heist and, you know, put the city or the island behind her. Yeah, they don't really get into the whole backstory of what happened with her and her pimp and that whole life. I wish there was, like, a little bit more there rather than some of the time spent with, like, Sid Haig coming up. Because <laughs> I actually think the movie, to a certain point, is, like, very entertaining. Yeah. And then it starts to lose itself once it's... It becomes, stops paying attention to the girls as much. There's a lot of Sid Haig scenes that don't really relate back to what's going on with the girls. Well, right. That's, yeah. I mean, once they stop focusing, and that might, hey, we can speculate away. Maybe that was when Pam Greer was sick and they just had to like fill out the that's movie true, with other yeah. stuff. I don't know. <laughs> that's, movies would just take different paths because of <laughs> someone not being available to shoot. So we're made aware of a lot of interest on the island in finding these two we get a little bit of a segment of the movie that's kind of like nuns on the run. How? I mean, they get right. these in these habits from these as, nuns. As soon as you see the two nuns like <laughs> pop up on screen, you know exactly where this is headed. It's very like slapstick, right? You know, farcical comedy. You're like, okay, now they're just gonna like wear these nun outfits. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of get the Karen character that people would know who she is. I guess. Right. But like this whole. thing thing that launches with these two women in particular escaping from prison and it being such a big deal why would they even know who lee daniels really is right i don't know it does seem like if the focus would have to be on karen's character because she's tied up in something major that the government obviously is going to be concerned with lee on the surface at least seems like just a prostitute now she does make some comments that they planted these drugs on her because they knew who she was yeah, because she's tied in with uh, right. this guy who's like the biggest dope pusher on the island, which yeah. is like her pimp, Vic Chang. So while they're doing this whole nun business, yes. there's this random topless torture scene with Vic and this Asian girl who I guess he believes knows where oh, Lee right. is headed or while something this or topless know what, knows what Lee's plan is. torture is going on, he's just like laying back shirtless, getting basically like a pedicure yeah. from a woman. And at this point, like, Lindsay walked in the room, and I was just like, this is basically our relationship. (laughs) Vic is not 
easy on the eyes. No, no. But he was a Filipino man who was in a lot of these movies and could speak very good English and was considered like one of the best Filipino actors at the time, I guess. Okay. This is at least according to Margaret Markoff on the wow. Black Mama, White Mama special features. <laughs> oh, wow. What do you mean? In an interview? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I'll have to check out those special features sometime. So we're basically now aware of the police and the government looking for them, and now Lee's former pimp, Vic, is looking for them. The gorillas regroup. Their scenes are kind of generic and vague. Right. They're like, we need to do this because yeah. we need to get guns. It's never like you know very specific well, what they're doing. The storyline is just an ongoing hunt for Karen. Anytime that they don't have Karen, they just like need her back, you know? <laughs> And it's yeah, like the world it. is just, yeah, in disarray until they get her back. Totally. At its heart, Black Mama, White Mama is really a story of friendship and bonding. I think so. <laughs> because it's these two women who hate each other. Overcoming diversity. Fighting, yeah. And then eventually by the end of the picture, they're friends. <laughs> yes. The two of them eventually get on this tourist bus and they're still dressed like nuns at this point and it gets very comedic or attempted uh, attempting to be comedic yes there's Wh- another group of nuns that are dressed differently yeah i don't know what's going on there a different well, yeah religion, well the maybe? part where pam Greer's like trying to like cross herself but she's not even really like doing it right yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's right like, it's pretty funny but there's these police checkpoints there's a close call They almost get caught. They hit this guy. It seems pretty easy for them to run away from the police (laughs) checkpoint. They ditch the nun gear. Thankfully, they're back in their skimpy prison uniforms. That's right, yeah. Which is what we wanted. Captain Cruz is heading up the search for them. He's kind of just the figurehead for the cops in the army. He's just this random guy. Kind of a cool dude, though. He enlists the services of a cowboy gang led by Ruben, played by Sid Haig. Which is weird, because it does seem like they're is cops around they try to justify this by saying that reuben and his gang like know the area better which doesn't really seem believable but they wanted i guess to include sid haig and like more outlaw types yeah that weren't just like policemen i'm into it so now the women are being pursued by the authorities captain cruz reuben's posse chang's men lee's former pimp and the gorillas who are looking to reunite with Karen so they can successfully now, complete this gun deal. I love the other plot detail that gets thrown in at the end of Captain Cruz recruiting these dudes because it's just like they have a prostitute. Oh, yeah. And they basically offer her up to Captain Cruz, which conveniently works out for him. You yeah. know what I mean? He's able to find out that she's also sleeping with this other dude who is something he's like cruz's boss right the boss is really giving cruz like a lot of shit and then cruz is like hey i was with this girl earlier and she knew you that's right yeah i know i really don't know really know what the point of it is but like it continues on too because then the two of them are like in a car with her later and she's like blowing the boss (laughs) i know i don't really understand any of this yeah maybe it was supposed to be funny okay but it just wasn't landing i don't know there's right. a particularly gross scene where Chang is getting his chest and stomach licked. Oh, oh yeah. I don't even that remember is what disgusting. is happening in that scene. That was another just like random moment where Lindsay happened to like <laughs> come along. She was only walking in during the Chang scenes, right. which weren't even and that she was many. she like, what is this? And I was like, what do you mean? It's good. 
This is some erotic shit, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what that scene even was. I don't even remember. I think right. he was like outside by a pool, but I don't even know what they were saying. Yeah, I was just so horrified. Yes. <laughs> I was like, this poor woman. Because <laughs> you know, like, she probably didn't even get paid for this oh, movie. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> the main plan is getting rid of the chain that connects the two of them. Yes. So they come across this place with some man who's like sleeping in a garage. I don't get the way this, this all guy, plays out. Yeah. This guy, Lewis, it's like he's got shit smeared on his face. Oh, it's yeah. like, what the fuck is happening? Takes and him a while to kind of like react to the situation. At first they're like, hey, we'll be your friend. Which I don't know if they're like being serious, like if they're actually gonna fuck this dude. I don't, I don't really know. know what they're doing. If I was this dude, I'd be like, yeah, I could use a but friend. But then basically he's like, I well, know no, I'm going to turn you over yeah. to Ruben, and I'm going to rape you anyway. So then they kill this Lewis dude. <laughs> and they're like, oh, are you? <laughs> they like stab him with like a screwdriver in the stomach, and he just dies instantly. Right. It's not even like this horrible, agonizing death that goes on. Now, you have to remind me, is this the same place where they find the blowtorch, or is that a different location later? Well, I think they're trying to like spark something. I think probably a blowtorch. I don't know. Well, yeah, whatever it is. But then the barking dogs approach. Oh, true, yeah. And so they don't have an opportunity to separate yet. That's right. And this is Ruben closing in on them. So they flee after they blow up the garage. Yeah. But the house is untouched. So Ruben comes in, and his men are going to stay at this house because it's getting dark or whatever. But they're sabotaged, and we don't know by who yet because the next morning they wake up and one of their men is killed. And their dogs are gone. Yeah, yeah. So then there's this awkward scene, which you were alluding to earlier, and I don't really know what the fuck the point of it is. Yes. It's Captain Cruz and his boss are driving around to basically check up on Ruben's progress. In the back seat, un- we don't know this until she pops her head up, is that same prostitute. Yeah. She was like is blowing that, the boss guy. Her name like Lupe or something? Yeah. Yeah. So then... Ruben didn't want any cops interfering for some reason. Right. I, I don't really know why he even cares, but he gets pissed. So at like gunpoint, he makes them get out of the car. You covered a lot of ground today. The deal is no cops. It's only me, no others. The car is unmarked. Out. You know Senor Galindo, of course. His office pays the reward. That is absolutely correct, Rojas. We have definitely have the right. Ow! Which one of them's got the biggest packer? The captain, eat. Him, four, maybe less. Eight to four. Drop him. This is an outrage. I'll see to it. Drop him.
four? No. Three and a half. Oh, buddy, I'm going to do you a big favor. Mamma mia! Santa Maria, madre di Dios, venga, por gracia. El Señor es contigo, bendita tú eres, entre todas las nuevas. I don't want to see your rotten ass around here no more. Sure, anything mute. I'll see you again. I come to pick up my money. He asks Lupe which one has the biggest pecker. Yeah. He makes them pull down their pants so Cruise. he can look at them. Eight inches. It's like, <laughs> good for you, man. Eight inches soft, Yeah, I guess. right. <laughs> good Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't really know what the point of this is, I guess, other than to be funny. Because yeah. then, like, the one guy who's clearly Filipino, he says, Mama Mia, when, <laughs> okay, yeah. when Ruben shoots his gun. Right. I, I don't know. It's, it's an insane scene that has no bearing on anything. Sure. Enjoyable nonetheless. Because of these pursuing dogs, Karen comes up with an idea when they come across this house and they find like, another dog. Yeah. <laughs> a great idea. <laughs> yeah, it is great. They find this little white dog at a house. I guess it's like someone's pet. It's like a little ankle biter. So she takes off her underwear and ties them around the dog. And like says, neck. wear, wear them, them in, in good, good health. health. <laughs> And the dog just listens to whatever people say. So she's like, go, run off. Meanwhile, this was like its house. Yes. So it just runs off into the woods with her underwear around its head. I mean, she just has that power. And so I guess this is supposed to throw the dogs that are pursuing them off. Right. (laughs) I don't know if it needs to be explained any further. Yeah. I think people can figure out what's going on. (laughs) But we find out that the gorillas, Karen's friends, are the ones that had stolen Ruben's tracking dogs. So they track down this dog that's running through the woods with her underwear tied to it. They grab the dog. Like, I'd recognize those anywhere. Yeah, the lead gorilla knows that they're Karen's panties. (laughs) And the other guy goes, how can you tell? Sight or smell? (laughs) This is actually a line. A crazy line to include. And the guy just smiles and he goes, by the way, her mind works. Go home, you little faker. Karen. What can you tell? Sight or smell? By the way her mind works, they went the other way. To the river. But I did notice that he pocketed those panties, though, on the on the sly. Well, you know. <laughs> He's just like, I'm going to hang on to these. <laughs> Wear them in good health. So, presumably then, for the rest of the movie, up until they finally are able to be uncuffed and change clothes she's not wearing anything under that shirt yeah now i don't really think that's the case but you know that's what we're supposed to believe at least yeah they should have (laughs) like kept reminding us of that you know (laughs) totally unrelated to anything reuben and his men stop at this guy's house it's some guy that i guess works for reuben he's some asian man and he's got like two daughters yes it's just a really disturbing Sid Haig sex scene with the two daughters. Yes, I mean, it granted, is. they're just topless. There's never anything, you don't really see anything beyond that. And they're just, they're like riding him around like a horse. And then like they're wrestling around and flopping around. Yeah. And it's one of those things. And the things- father, of course, is like horrified, but this is his boss and like he can't really do yeah. anything. It's supposed to be funny, but it's also like 
sad. Uncomfortable, <laughs> I would say. It's also just like a horrifying look because up until this point, I think like Sid Haig is wearing like a hat the whole time and you just see like the long hair. But at this point, you basically see like the full on like skullet, like the long hair with like just huge bald. <laughs> and he's got like horrible lower back hair oh yeah and that like his face is like really badly scarred from like acne or yes. something it's just it's a real cra- and you're just like this and is these the- two chicks were like almost eager to do this oh right yeah which is maybe the most unbelievable part of this entire movie it's like <laughs> what yeah <laughs> you would think those girls would be like slitting their own throats no kidding <laughs> While they're at this dude's house, the gorillas show up in the same town because they still haven't found Karen and Lee yet. So there's this showdown between them and Ruben and his men. He's like, them's my dogs. And the one dude's like, I guess they are. They look like you, which was a pretty good line. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. And it kind of sets him off. Yeah, they have this shootout in the street. One of many shootout firefights in this movie. Yeah, so as I mentioned, though, the movie just is getting away from itself now because it really starts spending so much time away from Karen and Lee. Right. <laughs> and there's so many scenes with Ruben and like the gorilla guys. And like now they're having this fight that goes on forever. Yes. Which eventually leads to Ruben being killed. So his what gang point? Yeah. doesn't even really factor, factor in, in in the end. Although it's hard to tell if maybe some of those guys are still around in the final <laughs> firefight. Yeah. I don't know. Who knows? The ending becomes like this blurred mess of just a bunch of different stuff. Yeah, with, yeah. You're not really sure who's on what side and what's all happening. But basically, after Ruben is killed, the rebels find Lee and Karen, who are now friends. Yeah, well, they're so... <laughs> I think it's before the, before they find the rebels, they're crossing some small body of water yeah that's like happening during the firefight okay when you look at this body of water does not look like they needed a boat at all it's like a foot deep no i don't think they were waiting for a boat no they they were were on like a little boat were they yeah i don't even remember that part. it's a very quick shot (laughs) maybe one of them couldn't swim they were afraid point yeah when the rebels find them Karen introduces Lee to Ernesto and the rest of the rebels by saying that she's a friend of mine (laughs) which of course you know brings a tear to my eye I think so yeah I love how emotional their plan to separate the chain is just to shoot the chain and that just works yes and they're not like worried that the bullet's gonna just ricochet or something (laughs) they're just like let me just shoot that chain real quick so then it cuts to the final shootout at the dock I guess time has passed because they've gotten the bracelets off and they're wearing different clothes now. It's actually sort of a trap has been set at the docks. Yes. Which... Finally, Chang's men factor back in. But have they been tracking them and they knew that they were heading for this dock? I think there's a scene somewhere where they find out about this. I don't really remember. It's hard to... This is where Lee wanted to get to? Yes. This boat at this dock? Yes. Chang's men are already there. They attempt to set a trap. When the gorillas arrived with Lee and Karen, they feel that there's an ambush. There's another huge gun battle. Okay. And this is where we see that Karen is legit. I mean, she's out in the trenches. <laughs> she picks up a gun. She's firing. She's not some ride-along yeah. woman. You know, I mean, she's there actually participating. Right. I like that one part where there's like a couple of those dudes and they're up against something, taking fire or whatever. The one guy takes out this grenade yeah, and yeah. he throws the grenade and it's the most worthless grenade toss <laughs> ever because it goes like five feet, doesn't hit 
anybody or anything and just explodes in dirt. Did you catch that? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's right. just, nothing happens. It's yeah. like, well, thanks. While Lee is trying to escape to this boat, pretty shocking ending here because yes. Karen is killed. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Lee escapes to my eye. via boat while Karen is killed with some of the others. Ernesto, like the other main guy, is, of course, distraught. Oh, yeah. They kind of imply maybe a romance was there. Sure. I think we were all distraught. <laughs> yeah. It ends on kind of a downer with Lee sailing off the island right. and Karen being killed. Across 110th Street playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's just crying. Right. But mostly it's just fun. Sure. I don't know if you can really get too far into like what everything means whenever it's left vague and like you don't even know like yeah, yeah. what country they're in or like what political strife they're even referring <laughs> to. It yeah. seems like all made up or whatever. But I do think though of like the grindhouse style exploitation movies, this one stands apart a little bit. Yeah, it passes the Bechdel test. True. <laughs> Having two women characters talk. All right. <laughs> <laughs> about things that aren't about men or whatever. Yes. It contains themes of female empowerment. Both oh, of yeah. the film's leads are strong women. Yeah, two complete badasses, I would say. Karen is a guerrilla fighter, and Lee masterminds a scheme to screw over her misogynistic pimp. So there you go. Karen is the only female present in the guerrilla force, but... As we've pointed out throughout, she's essential to their cause. She's the only way they can get these guns. So it's a prominent, important position. And then at the end, she's seen firing a gun right alongside the other gorillas. Yeah. It's not like Ruben is (laughs) like a complete badass figuring it all out, you know? No, Ruben is basically a worthless character (laughs) that overcomplicates things. Right. And, of course, this tied in with everything else that Pam was doing at the time. I mean, it really made her an icon of the I, 70s. I would say so. Somebody that we still... An icon of my life, really. Worship to yeah. this day. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, obviously, an exploitation movie fits in the One Trashy Summer umbrella. Absolutely. But of the trashy choices, this is not the trashiest. Yeah, and I think it'd be harder to talk about some of those other ones. Sure. Because it's like, what can you say at a certain point? I mean, I'm not right. going to describe these naked bodies or whatever (laughs) you know what i mean like it's a lot of the same shit this one had the scene doesn't make sense an interesting story even though you know it isn't the most well thought out thing ever and some of the plot is insane questionable it it doesn't really need to be there but i think maybe because it was based off of the defiant ones which is a legitimate movie and yeah obviously we know jonathan demi went on to big things later in life oh yeah you know, his fingerprints might have been on it a little bit. I think he was, like, second unit director as well. Oh, okay. That's usually, like, the action sequences. So, yeah, I mean, he was involved, and I don't know. I I think that the two leads, despite the fact that there's some struggling with some of the acting at times, they're just, like, strong presence. Absolutely. Presences. (laughs) Yeah. In the movie, and I'm really, like, drawn to And again, they don't really over-sexualize the two. Like, they don't play this whole lesbian angle between the two, which is kind of where you think it's gonna go. Yeah, and I'm wondering if the reason why Lee lives and Karen doesn't is they're trying to say that Lee is the stronger of the two because she resisted Densmore at the beginning. Could be. And Karen was, like, cutting corners in life or whatever. I don't know. I mean, there's probably is no it's need. A story to of read survival. Into that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, I wish Karen would live at the end, but, you know, you can't always get what you want. Well, she lives on in my heart. <laughs> Apparently, Pam and, and Margaret got along really well and became friends and were able to do another movie together the next year. They chained their arms together for fun. <laughs> okay, so that'll do it for Black Mama, White Mama, episode three Yeah, of One Trashy Summer. This one, it's interesting. This is maybe the most traditional movie in in the trashy sense like the grindhouse oh, exploitation okay. drive-in movie but right. yet you might actually find this movie in the trash section of a video store yeah <laughs> something that doesn't exist <laughs> well yeah some places maybe but right. like yeah i think in a lot of ways though it's probably less trashy than like basic instinct well that's but basic instinct true. is way higher yeah. budget and glossy right it's like a hollywood glossy trash movie this is super low budget just get out there and shoot it churn these things out as fast as possible but they didn't necessarily resort to all the same tricks that they would in this one that they do in a lot of the other women That's in prison true. movies they took some chances some artistic <laughs> chances now next week for the continuation of one trashy summer this will be my one clue somehow against all odds Whoa. We are once again returning to 1992. Wow. <laughs> Somehow, a, by accident. A trashy time. Th- three of the five movies we picked were from 1992. <laughs> I don't know how this happened. So I guess so what? We got two left then? Yes. After right. this one, we'll have two left for our first time. I think if we return to One Trashy Summer next year, we will probably do another Pam Greer movie. I think we need to keep the Pam Greer thing going. I'm going to make a wild statement. I think it's going well. <laughs> I'm into the trashy summer. I think my biggest thing is like, are these movies actually trashy enough? That's a good point. To be considered trash. Well, you know, we have to. But keep how far it do we want to take right. it though? Because I yes. mean, we could go real dark with it, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's not what anybody wants. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Tweet the show your thoughts. Okay, so follow the show on Twitter at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. Just keep spreading the word, and we will keep doing our thing. I think this will probably be a pretty short one. In yeah, the end. it seems like it. So hopefully, fine. for people who couldn't bear the length of Basic Instinct, this is a nice yeah. change of pace. Well, it's a short movie. Yeah, I think it clocks in at under an hour and a half. How about that? <laughs> Which is right up my alley. Real impressive. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. I'm a gonna raise a bus, I'm a gonna raise a follow. About a working man, about a working man, about a No dice, son, you gotta work late. Sometimes I wonder what I'm gonna do, but there ain't no cure for the summertime. Oh, well, my mom and papa told me, son, you gotta make some money. If you wanna use a car to go a ride next Sunday. Now you can't use a car cause you didn't work a leg Sometimes I wonder what I'm gonna do But there ain't no cure for the summertime blues I'm gonna take two weeks, gonna 
United Nations Well, I called my congressman and he said, vote I'd like to help you, son, but you're too young to vote Sometimes I wonder what I'm gonna do But there ain't no cure for the summertime blues